Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Good to see all of you in the room. It's good to have you if you're joining and watching online. I got a question for you just as we start. Question goes like this. Isn't it funny how much we will risk for things that we have fallen in love with in our hearts? Right? Some of you may have love stories that played this out. Some of you have financial stories that have played themselves out. Uh, but what I think of when I think of that question uh, uh, is actually Indiana Jones, the opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, how Indiana Jones is headed into the cave. He's in the, like the Aztec mountains, and he's going through and he's dodging everything. I mean, everything primitive, weapon known to man. I mean, spears and darts and poisonous animals and snakes. He's risking his life going through this insane cave just written with traps designed to just take him out so indiana jones as he's going many of you have seen it you would know he's going through he's weaving in and out and he's passing skeletons along the way of other explorers or adventurers that didn't quite have what it took to achieve what he was after and so finally i mean you know you've probably seen it or the picture before he's after this gold statue that's buried deep within the heart of the cave and then he has a decision, and the decision is this, how much does this thing actually weigh? Because he knows as soon as he picks it up, it's gonna set off another trap, and as you guys know, or if you've been to Disney World, you know that a giant rock is gonna come out because he measures it wrong, right? So he gets the sand wrong, it sinks down, sends this rock, and the rock's purpose is twofold. It's either gonna crush him, you know, which would save or protect that golden idol to stay in the cave forever, or it'll just lock him in. So then he's stuck, he can't get out, nobody else could get in and it'll preserve the safety of the statue. Isn't it funny what we will risk, just as people, for things that we have fallen in love with in our hearts? I love the heart, I think the heart is powerful. Sometimes it's so hard to understand the human heart, yet it's something all of us can resonate with. I mean, I, I think it's one of those wonderful things in the world because the heart is powerful. It has the ability to fall in love with someone, with something. I mean, the heart, it's like a compass. It can change the entire direction of a human being just by simply the, the feeling of love, which takes place in the heart. Sometimes it's for other people. Maybe that's marriage or children. Maybe it's ideals, a set of beliefs. Maybe it's God. The heart can dictate and change a person's trajectory in life forever. The heart also has the capacity and ability to change the world. I mean, you think about different names or people who, who have just been so moved on a heart level that they've modeled what it looks like to, to love others well. I think of somebody like Mother Teresa, who just models a heart that is just so driven and full of love. And the impact that she had on a minute-by-minute, day-by-day basis may have been small, but the legacy of her life compounded has been ginormous. And it was simply because of this thing that she'd fallen in love with in her heart. How she modeled and wanted to model even God, who says, I am love, who takes place in the heart. But here's what's also interesting about the heart. Uh, is the heart can deceive and destroy 
like nothing else on earth. And it deceives no one more than the person that it resides in. The heart is powerful. The heart's amazing. The heart's incredible. It's why God, throughout all of Scripture, spends so much time talking to his people, talking to us about the status of our hearts, because it's his place of residing. God says, if I am love, God is love, where does love reside? Say it with me. It's in the heart. So God cares so much about the heart because he knows its power. He knows its ability to lead us and change us and take us places we never thought we could go. But the human heart longs for what only God can provide. There is this gap or this hole or this longing deep within us that only God can satisfy and he knows that. It's why he spends so much time, person after person, character after character, story after story, passage after passage, gospel after gospel. God is focused on our hearts. So what is the natural tendency or the natural inclination of the human heart? Is it toward God or elsewhere? As Brian talked about last week, I mean, we're in this series right now. It's called Pursued. We're in part two. Part one was all about creation, how God created the world, the church, the people, the heart, how he created. But part two, which is what we're in, is where it went wrong, where everything fell apart, where, where things broke, the fall. So what we're talking about right now is the fall of the human heart, how the heart is naturally drawn towards things that don't lead us to our heavenly father, but actually lead us away from our Heavenly Father. And so here's what Brian shared with us last week. There's three things, right? This disposition towards sin that all of us are familiar with, even if we haven't defined it this way. So number one would be passion. This is the lust of the flesh, things that the flesh hungers for, craves. These are the temptations that lead us down a path that we're trying to satisfy something physical, something fleshly within us. But then there's another one. The second one is provision. This is the lust of the eyes. This is what we see. Oftentimes it's what we see that we don't yet have. Isn't it funny how we become, we become blind to what we do have because we're so focused on what we don't, but on what we could have if we would work, what we could have if we would sacrifice, what we could have if we took this next step. This is the lust of the eyes, but then the last one is this, it's position. This is the pride of life. These are, these are things that, that make us feel safe or secure or significant. They don't lead us towards our heavenly father finding those things in the person of Jesus. They actually lead us to ourselves, to our own lives, our own bank accounts, our own platforms. The human heart naturally bends this direction. And if we let it, or if we become passive, it actually has the ability to take us places we never thought we could go and places we never thought we would go. The human heart is so vitally important. And it's gonna be demonstrated in the story today. I can't wait to jump in. It's 1 Kings chapter three. We're, we're focused on Solomon. So Solomon was the son of King David. And Solomon uh, was in a predicament. He was in this new position. He was praying before the Lord and God said, you can ask me for whatever you want. 
So Solomon's leading God's people. His role is to lead them, to, to model what their heavenly father is like, what their heavenly king is like from their earthly king. And so Solomon could have asked for anything. He could have asked for anything from God. And here, here's what he asked for. He asked for wisdom. So God says to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Why do I share this text with you right at the beginning? Because I want you to see this. The heart of Solomon was in a good place. It was righteous. It was pure. As he's praying, as he's communing with God, God says, I'll give you whatever you want. And he says, give me wisdom to lead your people well. There's no bend here yet towards the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, position. There's no, what he asked for is wisdom to care for and steward what you have entrusted me well. So God's response is, I'm blown away. Because your heart is so pure, because it's in the right spot, I'm gonna give you these other things because I want people as they see you and as they look at your life, they look at your reign, I want them to get an image and an understanding and a reflection of me. So God gives him and he blesses him and he takes care of him. But what I want you to catch and throughout this whole sermon, what I want you to hear and to see is Solomon is subject to the exact same temptation as us. The exact same temptation. And often temptation is not a billboard. It's not a flashing neon sign. What temptation is, is a subtle knock. There will be a knocking on Solomon's heart. But I, I want to demonstrate here how, how much God blessed Solomon after the, the queen of Sheba. This was like neighboring Yemen. Actually heard about Solomon, heard about his wisdom, heard about all the other things that God gave. And she wanted to investigate herself. So here's, here's what it says. Go ahead and go to the next slide here. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. She's saying, as I showed up, your reputation was 50% of what the reality is. God has so blessed you and taken care of you and provided for you. And my goodness, your people must be so happy. Your heart is in such a good place before your God. He's obviously blessed you. Well, here's what happens if we keep reading 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. We find out what has been knocking on the door of Solomon's heart. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your, say it with me, hearts. They will surely turn your hearts after their gods. But nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. There was a knocking 
on the heart of Solomon. There's a knocking repeated over and over and over again. God says, don't go that direction. But the two words that should jump off the page as you read this, if you're opening your Bible, highlight or circle these two words, however and nevertheless. God was so clear. God, God had spoken to him. He'd appeared to him. He'd, he'd shared with him. I mean, it's even in Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It says, do not intermarry with these other people, talking to God's people. He's saying, don't intermarry. Don't go outside because of your heart. You're going to risk your own heart. It will turn you away from me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. How many things are there in Scripture that God warns us of? Don't pursue this because it will turn your heart from me. Like money. Like our own security. Like relationships. Sex. There's warning after warning after warning. Don't pursue these. Because slowly but surely, over time, it's a guarantee. It is going to turn your heart from me to things that can't satisfy or can't fill the void that is there that only I can. Warning after warning after warning, and it says, nevertheless. And however, Solomon goes, eh, I'm going to do what I want anyway. And you know what's funny is that knocking... It's the same for us. He's a king. What's knocking on his heart, though, is the same foundation. It's the same root as what knocks on our own hearts. So let's see what happens to King Solomon here. Keep reading. 1 Kings 11, 3 to 4. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. This was not like a little, like, I'm just going to veer a little bit to the right. I mean, he sent it. Like seven, God says, please don't intermarry. Please don't go after it. 700 wives later. I don't know if that's sitting in. Is that sinking in for any of you? He's the king of the Israelites, of God's chosen people. God says, don't do it. And he does it seven hundred times and then he has 300 concubines and it says this big statement and his wives led him astray just as God said just as God warned his wives led him astray the knocking just kept coming and he kept opening the door and opening the door and opening the door. It wasn't drastic. He didn't go zero to 700 one day. I mean, imagine that wedding. All right, bride number 800, right? Whoop, you're next, 801. Eight, I mean, there's a thousand women that are residing in his palace. That didn't happen overnight, but it was slowly but surely one after another, after another, after another. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites, so Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. 
as David, his father, had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. This is a big deal because his heart didn't just turn 100 degrees to the right. It, it didn't just happen. It, but his heart slowly but surely changed and shifted. The one whose heart started right, who was in the right place, who was righteous before God, who honestly sought for the betterment of his people, that he would steward what God had given him well for God's purposes. How in the world does he go from there to building places of worship for detestable foreign gods? The heart is powerful. And the heart has the ability to take us places we never thought we could go and to take us places we never thought we would go. I mean, you can imagine Solomon waking up and just sitting with, what have I done? How did I get here? You, you might not know some of these gods. I'll share or articulate some of them and you'll see how far he progressed the opposite direction. Ashtoreth was the goddess uh, known as the goddess of sex and war. So that's, that's one of them. Molech was a god. Actually, his name was combined by taking the two words king and shame. So, so you have the goddess of sex and war. You have the king of shame. And then you have Chemosh, who is the national god of Moab. He was either related to or identical to Molech, but he was known for human sacrifice. You know what Molech was known for? Child sacrifice. This is why God says, this is, this is such a disgrace to me. This, this is such an offense to me because you're worshiping, you're building places of worship for gods that model the opposite of my character. I mean, God's so... This is my character. I die for my people, and you're building places of worship where my people are sacrificed for them. And children, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And the God of Molech is slaughtering them. And Solomon, Solomon is building the place where it's taking place. Can you imagine what the people around him are thinking. I think of the queen of Sheba. She says, your people must be so happy. Not anymore. How does he get there? How does he get to the place that is so opposite of where he began? So many of us think, I'll never do that. I'll never become like that. We have some picture of what the opposite of what God's calling us to may actually look like. We have this picture and we say, I'll never turn into that. But you know what's funny is it doesn't happen overnight. It happens in a series of one degree changes. So I took geometry, probably like most of you in high school. I didn't do awesome at it, but I learned a couple things. One of them is about angles. So let me show you these two angles. Uh, the black one is 45 degrees. The red one is 54 degrees. Now, if I didn't have the actual uh, angle listed in there, 45 or 54, some of you would be able to tell they're different angles, but some of you wouldn't. They look close. 
They look similar. I mean, imagine, especially the farther back you get, it's like, oh, they look pretty similar. But, but I did a little bit more of a drastic example so that you could see the difference. But, but what if it was 45 degrees and 48 degrees? Are you confident in your ability to be able to tell the difference between the two? Here, here's what happens to the human heart. When temptation shows up and it's knocking, maybe it's the lust of the flesh, like you need this, you need this, the lust of the eyes, the thing that you don't have, man, if you only had that, that would change it. The, the pride of life, the position, if you had the security, all these things are knocking. They don't change you from zero to 90 degrees. They actually change you from 45 to 46. And as we open the door, the statement that we start, think, that we start thinking or saying to ourselves is this, one more time isn't gonna make a difference. One more drink doesn't matter. One more click is inconsequential. One more purpose won't wreck my life. One more date, one more opportunity, one more thing. It's one degree, one degree, one degree. If you're Solomon, it's one wife plus another wife plus another wife. And over time, those small little changes those small little degrees actually change the entire trajectory of where you're headed because the farther away that you get from your starting point, the more time elapses, the greater the distance becomes. So many people find themselves in a place where they go, I've just blown up my life. How did I get here? Here's Solomon asking himself the exact same question, how did I get here? It's hard to identify or point to or look at one specific event, but those two words come to my mind. However, nevertheless, I know what God says. I know what he warns. I know he says my heart is important. However, I want this, I deserve this, I've earned it, it doesn't matter. These one degree changes over time have a drastic impact on our lives and they come to us like that, like a subtle knock. Genesis 4, 7, God says this, but if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. And it says this, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God said this to Cain in Genesis, and about three sentences later, Cain killed his brother Abel. God's speaking to the heart because he knows the heart is where the trajectory changes everything. So let's put these back up here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What, what is this? What do these mean? The lust of the flesh could look like this. It's an inappropriate relationship with a coworker. Notice I, I didn't say it's an affair. Affair is like the destination, but it, it, you back it way up. It's like, ah, that's, that's an inappropriate conversation. 
It's inappropriate for us to be in the same room together without anybody else around. It's inappropriate. It's kind of off bounds or out of bounds. It's a gray area. The lust of the flesh starts with one degree changes. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's just one more drink. It's like, man, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard month. It's been a hard couple years. What's one more drink? It's not going to make a difference. I've earned it. I deserve it. It helps. What if it's this? What if it's one more click? Watching explicit content, movies online late at night. What's, what's one more? What's one more click? It's not gonna change anything. What if we go to the provision piece, the lust of the eyes? This is clicking submit on yet another Amazon purchase. I'm in Amazon jail at my house. You know, Judah, our three-year-old, he sees like the Amazon Prime trucks driving around and he says, look, dad, a package truck because he's only ever seen the Amazon truck deliver packages at our house. It's me. It's what's one more click? What's one more purchase? Man, if I just had this one thing, man, that'd be so cool. That'd be awesome. I'd feel good. Man, I need that. The newest and latest and great. What's, what's one more? One more is not going to change anything. One degree of separation. Maybe it's dreaming about the bigger house or the nicer car or the next great investment or a cushy retirement. It's one more thing, one more step, just, just one level up, just half a step up. Man, if I just had a little less miles and a little bit newer, that'd be awesome. One degree of separation. And then this last one, pride of life, it's just, it's using people around you to further your bottom line. I don't exist to serve anybody else. They exist to serve me. I've earned this position. It's my business. It's my classroom. It's my house. It's one more thing. Maybe it's this, building your own platform, which is easier today maybe than it's ever been in history. It's about me. It's about building my name, my fame, my kingdom, or this. Maybe it's using Jesus as a means to your own end. Looking in the local church, what can I do to get my name recognized or my name noticed or my name to get something that I'm after? I'm going to use Jesus to kind of get or build or construct my own platform, my own kingdom. These are things that are pride of life. Sometimes temptation doesn't even have to knock because we've just opened the door wide open to it. Or, or maybe we've just become calloused to the knocking. That it just doesn't matter who it is, what it is, whatever. We just open the door and say, come on in. And it's yet another one degree, one degree, one degree. Brian said this last week. I just really resonated with it because he says, pastors are not immune to this. They're not exempt. I mean, it, all three of these are on display in my life, right? I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you, so less of the flesh right now, you know what my issue is right now? It's food. It's just one more thing. Just one more bowl of cereal. Man, just one more bag of chips. Just one more, I just need a snack. I need something like, it's been a long day. It's been a stressful day. Man, there's a lot. You know what I say, my, my signature phrase over and over is I'll start tomorrow. I'll go back to the gym tomorrow. I will put the Cheetos back 
next week. It's like, oh, what's the, because it makes me feel good because it goes back to a place of insecurity and brokenness where I found security in that, which is so stupid to say. What about this one? The, the lust of the eyes. For me right now, it's, it's like stuff and material things. One of the most insecure seasons of my entire life was in 2008, 2009, 2010. My family moved from Chicago to Michigan and it was the most financially insecure season I've ever lived through. And so the lust of the eye says, if I just had one more thing, or if I just had one more dollar or one more account or one more whatever, then I'd be secure. Then I'd be safe. But you know, it's an illusion. And then this last one, the position, the pride of life, it goes, it's similar line as the first two. It's this mentality of once I achieve the position, once I achieve the authority, once I achieve whatever it is that, that provides the safety net, then I'm secure. Then I'm safe. Then I can control my own destiny. And as all of you know, it's yet another illusion. One degree, one degree, one degree. What is it for you? What is the temptation that's just knocking? Said, I'm here. Pay attention to me. Just one more thing, one more time, one more purchase, one more click, one more view. What is it? Sin is crouching at your door. But we must rule over it. What's so important to me, even about this message, comes out of this statement. William Holman Hunt says, the door of the human heart can only be opened from the inside. Here's what it says. It says, you are in control of the door of your heart. You decide what comes in. And there's gonna be knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking, and you decide what comes in and what must leave. Funny thing about the temptation is actually the farther away we get from it, the harder it is to hear the knocking. But there is one consistent knock. It's subtle. It's probably way more subtle than the rest of them. But one consistent knock over and over and over, we will all hear all throughout our lives if we can attune our ears to hear it. It's the knocking of the person of Jesus. Revelation 3, verse 20 says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I'm here. It's me. It's okay. You're not too far gone. Shame isn't going to win. so funny is so many of us are afraid to open 
there's story after story, person after person, all throughout scripture of people that thought they were too far gone. And then they heard the subtle knock of Jesus. And as they open that door, it changes everything. Like Cody was saying earlier, it changes your marriage, changes your relationship with your kids, changes the purpose that you can find in life. It changes the forgiveness that you can actually offer and experience yourself. The human heart can change everything, but there's only one who can change the human heart. That's Jesus. So as we close today, I just, I want to offer two, two things. Number one would be this. Some of you just need guardrails in place to get away from the knocking. So maybe this looks like changing passwords, cutting up credit cards, getting a counselor, canceling subscriptions, being honest with yourself and somebody else. Put some guardrails in place to distance yourself from the knocking. But then there's this other group of us, which is actually all of us. And it's this, position yourself to hear the knocking from Jesus. That's time with him. That's reading his word. That's meditating on it. Memorizing it so that it's buried deep within your heart. It's praying and spending time with your heavenly father, listening to his voice. If you could do that, if you would carve out space, God could change everything in your life. And it's all because of a person of Jesus. So I'd love to just close this together just in a time of prayer. And I want you to hear you're not too far gone. The temptation isn't going to win the day. Maybe you just need to open the other door because he's knocking. He desires your heart. God, we come before you right now. God, so often we just feel guilt or shame. Maybe we're looking back on our life. We're looking back on our marriages or relationships. We're looking back on our kids, our financial decisions. God, the carnage of temptation is not hard for us to identify. I just pray right now for anybody that just feels too far gone, who feels distanced from you, whether they've followed you their entire lives or whether they've yet to just give their heart to you. God, I just pray that you would speak the words that you've spoken all throughout Scripture to your people that you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That you died on the cross, that you bore our shame, not your shame, our shame, so that we might have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. I, I just pray right now, God, um, that our church, both watching online, here in person, those that aren't here or with us right now, God, I, I pray that we would be responsive to the knocking of your Holy Spirit that we would be obedient, just like even Cody said earlier, that we would follow your lead, that we would do what you've called us to do, that we would say yes before how, that we would be a church that models what it looks like when Jesus can redeem a heart. So God, we yield them to you. We sacrifice uh, our power or our pride. We lay those down at your feet. And we ask you, God, to lead us, to meet us, to speak to us. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Mighty and powerful.
hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.